Retro Hangover supported via Patreon by listeners like you. We would especially like to thank patrons Lyle McCarns, Ashton Ruby, Randall Quiggle, Tony G, Katie Quigg, and Paul Romalo. Your continued engagement and generous donations are deeply appreciated. Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 86 of Retro Hangover. Retro and classic gamers. Enough expository banter. Now we fight like men. And ladies. And ladies who dress like men. For episode 86 of Retro Hangover, it is Morphin Time! I am your co-host, Chris Copleen, with special guest, Lyle McCarns. And, as always, your host, Shane Dick Dragon Dragoon Kasky. I was just about to say I don't even know where to jump in there. You, we just lost you. Like it just the 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 intro was so intense that the audio couldn't take it. That's a lot of Gilgamesh. You glitched Discord. That's I how broke loud it. you were. I, I fucking yeah, broke it. Yeah, it. it actually happens more often than you might think. <laughs> so that's a whole lot of Gilgamesh just packed into one one pretentious preamble there. I got I got to say, I'm going to have to get back to alliteration at some point because I feel like I'm disappointing somebody who's like this fucker always does alliteration. I tell my <laughs> friends to listen to it cuz he has these stupid ass alliterations and now for like the past 3 episodes he hasn't fucking done it. God damn it. You've definitely been disappointing the denizens of Discord. That's correct. Ooh. There we go. Okay. Yes. Well, we're making up for it slightly. Yeah, there's just one really <laughs> pissed off like English major somewhere. I'm probably pissing off Paul Romalo after he called me the gigolo of Jacksonville. So, yeah, maybe he's starting to get upset about that. Still feel like that is a dubious claim at best, but I'll, I'll go with it for now. I think that I think the thing I take the most umbrage about that is saying the gigolo of Jacksonville as if there's only one. <laughs> I am the premier gigolo that is why i'm the gigolo well it could be worse he could have called you the juggalo of jacksonville we just talked about that last time <laughs> as a matter of fact we did and i can guarantee that there's more than one <laughs> <laughs> definitely this is the home of fred durst motherfuckers of course we have more juggalos uh, i know he's not not, not part of ICP. I get it. Stop stop right. doing the so death now, rattle. This is two episodes in a row now where we've pissed off the, the ICP fans. We're just going to have Fago thrown at our houses. <laughs> yeah, both of them are very angry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Goobs is at least one of those. Well, he's stopped listening. Great. <laughs> uh Anyway, so um, let's talk a little bit about what we've been playing, what we've been up to. Um, I think there's been a lot that's been going on lately. So uh, esteemed guest and patron sate of the show, Lyle McCarns, what, sir, have you been up to as of late? 
Well, I've been up to getting ready to move. Ah. Which is mentally, physically, emotionally, socially, I'm sure a couple of Lees also Lees exhausting. Yeah, especially considering, if I recall, I think you've been in the place that you're in right now for quite a while. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you helped me move in here. That's how long I've been here. Oh, Jesus. Yes, I believe I did. <laughs> Damn. It'll, just shy of 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you build up a lot of shit <laughs> living somewhere for 10 years. True. But what have I been playing? I have been playing um, Final Fantasy VII as part of my playthrough all of the Final Fantasy games project. Fantastic. How's that going? Uh, I finished disc one. I'm into disc two. Wow. That's I feel like the big moment at the end of disc one would have been a lot more meaningful if I hadn't, you know, been on the Internet <laughs> for the last 10 years. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. It felt like a big moment, and then I already knew it was happening, so it wasn't. It's like, why aren't you equipping this one specific character with a bunch of gear? That's odd. <laughs> that reminds me of what uh, Brianna named her, like Dead Girl or something like that. <laughs> gu- gu- gonna die? Yes. Gonna die, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> mentally preparing herself for it. Yes. Just don't give her anything. No materia, no weapons for you. Just sit in the corner and cry. That's right. Just get stabbed. So that's what I've been up to. Good deal. How about you, Shane? What have you been up to? You know, not not a lot. It's been pretty boring, honestly. That's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think at least most of the patrons and or people in the in the discord but i think especially especially folks that have joined us on the twitch streams because i talked a little bit about it but um i i am officially in an old married man um, as of, what like two two, two days ago, I think now, so. yeah yeah congrats so, man. Uh, thank you yeah um and so you know it wasn't what we had originally planned we had a much bigger sort of hoopla um in the works which is still technically in the works but it's been moved to 2022 thanks to the plague uh but we did you know have a very small celebration just with like close family and and friends and um it was even though it was small it was still incredibly stressful because we were planning it and conducting it all almost entirely ourselves which was a learning experience and via zoom probably yeah well well we'll get to that in a second that was a whole other bag of bullshit but the one thing that we learned from it was uh that we are gonna hire uh, an event planner or, or a wedding planner for for the next one i will spend the money because I do not want to deal with that level of stress again. Um, the day itself was fantastic, but leading up to it and coordinating everything was a nightmare. And speaking of nightmares, we had intended on streaming this over Facebook Live to just a select group of like extended family and, and stuff like that. And um, that totally did not happen because no one had a reliable cell signal where we were at. So streaming just did not occur. Um, fortunately, Brianna has her, you know, professional recording equipment that she has for her sort of videography side gig she does on occasion. And so we uh, set that up. And my esteemed co-host here, Chris, That's was uh, in attendance. And he uh, was manning the the camera very expertly. And so we, we have some uh, some good footage there that we're going to 
you know, share with everybody who was unfortunately probably sitting at their computer for like a half hour staring at Facebook being like, what the fuck is happening? So sorry. I mean, to be to be fair, that's how I feel every time I look. (laughs) True. True. Unfortunately, everybody uh, from that video, an earthquake did happen in the middle of it. So, you know, just just be prepared for that while watching the video. Oh, right. And by that, you mean like you kicked the tripod or something? Is this something I should know about? Oh, probably. I'm sure it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so so that's a that's kind of a big deal. Right. Um, And then outside of that, as far as games go, I mean, I've been coy about it, but honestly, we've fucking talked about it enough now that I'm just going to say it. But I've been playing near because we're going to be doing an episode about that in, in the near future. <laughs> <laughs> so I've actually really been enjoying it up to this point. Um, I And the thing is, is I know just from the general ambiance that this game kind of sets from like the, the get go that I am in for some like emotional devastation and i'm just waiting for it to for everything to go down but yeah the game's been uh been fun so far i i except for fishing fuck that fishing's terrible fishing does suck but that's that's pretty much it i've just been real busy getting everything else together lately so i've been i've been trying to get a couple like small games on my steam backlog done though in in you know whatever free time i do happen to have so i've knocked out a couple of like you know games that i could finish in like two hours so so that's been good progress it's progress but uh, but what about you chris what what you what you got going on i went to some dude's wedding on uh earlier this week we drove around the park for about a good hour and then we got to eat some food <laughs> and it was it was pretty that cool shitty yeah it was fucking awful i don't know what the fuck happened i'm just joking it was a good time i, I had a really good time at your planned. wedding dude congratulations i'm so happy for you too but in terms thank of you. thank you, in terms of video games, I got this thing called the Terra Onion mode for my Saturn, and I can't pull myself away from my Saturn. I started playing Shining Force Three, which the last time I played that was about nine years ago. It was one of the first games I got when I started retro collecting for my Saturn. And so now that I have this mode, which is an optical drive emulator, uh, you just put in a memory card and you can back up all your games. Of course, just backups because that's what i do everything's legal right and yeah definitely (laughs) you can play scenario one two and three where as in north america you only got scenario one so japan got all three but you have there's teams out there that translated all three scenarios so in japan yeah shining force three is three games that carry over into another game and i am i started playing shining force one just to play two and three and i'm just i'm having a blast with shining force three and the the best thing about it is that i'm enjoying it as a game as opposed to it feeling like a chore uh i think this is the first game i'm playing where i'm actually having a really good time and and like wow i'm 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 having i'm enjoying myself since 13 sentinels which uh, you know admittedly wasn't that long ago but i i just turn it on i just want to go back and play it and progress and i'm not feeling like I got to get this done for some, you know, arbitrary reason. And that's a good thing. And I know that there are some people listening to this, knowing that I played near automata before this, and they are very upset about the fact that I just said that this is, this is a lot better than feeling like playing a game of chores. (laughs) Don't worry. I'm going to give that game. It's due. but 
yeah, that's what I've been up to, and I'm, I'm looking forward to using my mode more and enjoying that. I might, I'm, eventually I'm going to have to get over to my Xbox Series X because Game Pass is on fire, and there's just so many good titles on that. But, you know, when you when you have all these Saturn games that have been inaccessible to you for forever, and they're finally right there and available for you to play, it's it's hard to pull myself away from those things I've been wanting forever. Which actually segues perfectly into mm. this week's topic, which is Final yeah. Fantasy V, because that is a game that many gamers wanted forever and could not get. True, true, true. So in any case, hey, look, yeah, this week's game is Final Fantasy V. I'm going to get hyped. We've been too subdued, okay? You usually have a lot of energy rolling into this. We're recording this in real life at, like, nighttime. It's later than most things we're used to recording. So I can understand everyone's a little, little tired, got to get the juices flowing, got to do some kegels or whatever the fuck we do. I don't think we do kegels. But <laughs> <laughs> let's, get your shit, let's get this shit going. And Shane is going to be giving us a brief history of Final Fantasy V. Quality sequels to beloved games are often glorified in the eyes of its fan base. It's not uncommon for avid players to look upon a game series with a critical eye, endlessly debating which entry is best, the strengths and weaknesses each possess, and the most memorable moments from each installment. While this is certainly something fans of Final Fantasy can do now, with nearly the full breadth and scope of the franchise available for anyone to play, this was not always the case. Up until 1999, and for some, as late as 2002, there was one game in the Final Fantasy pantheon that many had talked about, but never actually played. A game so revered that it was hailed as being quite possibly the best in the series, though it had never left the shores of Japan. That game was Final Fantasy V. FF5 would start development shortly after its predecessor, Final Fantasy IV, with much of the same crew on board. As was standard at that time, Hironobu Sakaguchi would direct, Yoshitaka Amano would design the characters, with Kazuko Shibuya designing the graphics, and Nobuo Uematsu on music and sound design. Yoshinori Katase would get his start penning stories for the Final Fantasy franchise here while working with Sakaguchi. Most notably, Hiroki Ito, the designer of the Active Time Battle System, would be responsible for the game's now-famed job system one where characters would be able to change their stats and abilities whenever they wanted in order to better adapt to the new encounters as the game progressed. While the basis of this system was an idea originally found in Final Fantasy III, FF5 would take that idea further and allow characters to gain experience towards each job, granting them abilities that could be equipped regardless of the job class the character was currently using. This system not only allowed players to tackle the game in a myriad of unique ways, but also provided ample opportunity for several replays that never progressed quite the same way twice. FF5 was released on December 6th of 1992 in Japan to mostly positive reception, selling 900,000 copies within 24 hours of release, almost five times as many units as its predecessor had sold in the same time frame and only 400,000 less than Dragon Quest V, 
the undisputed ruler of RPGs in Japan, had in the same year. In total, Final Fantasy V would sell approximately 2.5 million copies for the Super Famicom, with 2 million of those selling in just the first month. The message was clear. The Final Fantasy franchise was now a worthy competitor to Dragon Quest, with no signs of slowing down. Despite amazing sales, FF5 would not be making the trip overseas to the Super Famicom's sister system, the Super Nintendo. While Square had begun an English translation in early 1993 with the definitely not confusing working title Final Fantasy III, the project was quickly scrapped. Upon further review of the game's mechanics, Square's US division determined that FF5 would be too difficult for American gamers and decided to try localizing it as a standalone project outside of the main Final Fantasy line. The new working title would briefly be Final Fantasy Extreme, as that effort also fell through in relatively short order. This trend would continue with not one, but two more failed attempts to give the game a global release, both being Windows PC ports by Top Dog Software and IDOS Interactive. Having become fed up with the lack of momentum, fans took things into their own hands by crafting their own translation for emulators, one of the first games to receive such a treatment, that would be released in 1998. There would eventually be an official release, however, in the same year as the fan translation project, Toze would port FF5 over to the Sony PlayStation on March 19th, including CG-rendered FMV sequences covering major events of the game. Not long after, Square capitalized on a growing and fervent fan base thanks to the event known as Final Fantasy VII by creating an official translation for FF5 and bringing it over to North America as part of the Final Fantasy anthology with the PS1 port of Final Fantasy VI on September 30th of 1999, with Europe receiving the game with Final Fantasy IV on February 27th, 2002. While it may have received the official release fans were waiting for, it was met with disdain as the translation was shoddy at best, especially in the case of Ferris's pirate speak. This problem would quickly be remedied with the release of Final Fantasy V Advance for the GBA on November 6th of 2006 in North America, along with the addition of new jobs and dungeons. Even so, the unofficial fan translation is still considered to be the best within many Final Fantasy circles. While the story of Final Fantasy V is long and circuitous, particularly in Japan, it has earned a rabid fanbase that continues to play it to this day. In terms of legacy, elements of the job system have been carried over in other games in the series, most notably Final Fantasy Tactics and Final Fantasy X2. The question remains, however, as to whether FF5 truly is one of the best entries into the series, or if this notion was simply a product of the hype the game received by virtue of its absence from the North American market for such a long period of time. And that is your brief history of Final Fantasy V. All right, Shane, thank you very much for giving us that information about Final Fantasy V. Have you seen, like, Final Fantasy V has been through some shit, dog. <laughs> it's, it's seen some shit. You're not kidding. Yeah, it, it, it had a long path in order to get a decent 
official translation. And it's still arguable whether or not the fan translation is is better. That's that's nuts that it like here's just this major property that, you know, it, it took when you think about it, 14 years to get an official translation that people wanted. It's it's just bonkers. I mean, you, you say that, but also like you kind of have to think about shit like, I don't know, Skyrim or like Fallout where where, you know, it's like it's this grand fucking thing that this company put out and put all this time into. And it was actually ultimately fixed by a bunch of fans that, you know, made some mods for it. And as far as the time frame goes, I mean, this might just be me. I feel like maybe they were just kind of dragging ass a little bit to get it out. But I think so, too. But the difference like with Skyrim and, and the other games that you mentioned is those companies, I think, actually kind of recognize those efforts or let it happen in an official capacity on Steam with mods or whatnot. Square looked at the. <laughs> yeah, sure. They monetize it with the workshop. Yeah. Like assholes. I, th- I thought they stopped that. But in any case, in Square's <laughs> case, like the fans made a translation and Square's like, nah, fuck you. We're going to do our own bullshit. And then, yeah, it and sucked. Then did it, and did it not as well. <laughs> exactly. When they just could have paid them probably a pittance or just gave them credit for this fan translation. And that would have sufficed. That's true. I feel like they probably would have been perfectly satisfied with just like having their name in the credits or something. Oh, especially like this group of like the group of translators. I'm sure because I'm I'm pretty sure almost none of them made a dime off of it. Is it, it was definitely a labor of love. Oh yeah. But let's talk about our experiences with this game. So the reason we're doing this game is because of something Lyle got us into, and, and according to his notes got him into the game too. So Lyle, how about you talk about your first experience of Final Fantasy V and how you ended up getting into this this kind of culture you're you're somewhat part of. All right, so back in 2016, I believe, checking back through the history, a very good friend of mine mentioned this game to me and mentioned the Four Job Fiesta and he's like, "You know, it's a good game, but do not play it for the first time as a Four Job Fiesta." Advice that I have echoed. Wow, really? Advice huh. that advice that I have echoed repeatedly. Yes, we have we have told this to other people who did play Final Fantasy V uh, for the first time as part of the Four Job Fiesta. I think I remember that clearly too, Lyle. Crazy. Yeah, um, I don't recall any of this. So I, I actually didn't finish it that first time, but I played through it enough to understand what the game was doing and understand what the Four Job Fiesta was going to do, which I know I've talked about it before on various streams, and I know... Uh, Chris and Shane have talked about it before, so I'm going to give just a really brief recap. Uh, The four job fiesta, you go sign up on Twitter and it rolls random jobs for you at each one of the four crystals in world one. Each crystal generates uh, some number of jobs. Not an even number. I think it's like four and four and then more than that or six and six or something. Generate each crystal generates a bunch of jobs. You are told one job from each crystal in the normal run. You can use those jobs and only those jobs the rest of the game. Now, that sounds like it might be hard. And some of them, in fact, are. Hmm. But it it has been fairly well documented that you can one class complete this game on every class in the game. It just requires some bullshit. So played it once, got an idea what it was doing. And every year since then, I have completed a run for the four job fiesta or at least started one. I have I had one year or two that I didn't complete it. It tends to be for me, I get super excited, like register the first minute the registration's open and I'm awake. 
I burn through the first world and then I kind of peter out a while and then I got to push through and finish the game. And I don't know. I don't know why that that tends to be the cycle I go through with this game because I've played it so many times now. <laughs> I think I've played almost all the versions of it you can play, and I'm pretty sure I own almost all the versions of it you can own. Um, I've played the SNES fan translation. I've played the GBA version. I actually bought the GBA cart and a Game Boy to play it on, and I bought that one with the box. I, and I'm not mm. a physical game collector. I know that's Chris's bag. I'm not. I almost <laughs> exclusively buy digital games because I don't want more stuff. I wanted this in my possession. Word. Mm-hmm. I've played the emulator version. I've played the mobile version. I own the Steam version, which is basically the same thing as the mobile version. I think the only one I haven't played, but I'm pretty sure I own digitally, is the uh, anthology collection. Pretty sure I bought that on my Vita, but did not actually play it. I've spent some money on this game. It sounds like, yeah, you've dove headfirst into Final Fantasy V fandom. And really, in the circle of friends that I have that play the Fiesta every year, I still turn to them for answers like, okay, here is the bullshit that I'm stuck with. What do I do? I just really enjoy it. <laughs> Which can happen uh, because we saw that a lot with someone else on this on this podcast go through those similar kind of things. I, I'm having an idea of who that is, but maybe you can explain that. How about you, Shane? What are your personal experiences with this game? This is great. <laughs> it's the cream of the crap. It's <laughs> 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Best. <laughs> I love how I love how you're so facetious. It's it's so fantastic. <laughs> I, I thought he was just constipated. Mm. Yeah, I mean, why not both? I, I kind of feel like Macho Man was at least slightly constipated almost all the time. That was last time. Yeah, I, I know it's it's a callback, Chris. I'm, br- I'm bringing it back around. It's continuity. Come on, Chris. Stay in kayfabe. I'm trying to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, my, my personal experience isn't really much to talk about. It's, I, I never played it when it first came over or even with the fan, fan translation like earlier or even though it's been released on like every system known to man at this point, I guess. Um, I, I did not ever take the opportunity to play Final Fantasy V. Also, just because I feel like for someone who hadn't played a lot of Final Fantasy, just like five seems like a weird place to jump into a series that's that 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 that's like reading you know the third entry in harry potter before reading anything else which no it's actually nobody, not nobody never no, never did that no that never happened <laughs> what um what <laughs> did you do that shane okay for the record <laughs> somebody lent me the book and this was when they were like still being released originally and Someone lent me the third one and they were like, oh, you got to read this. It's so good. And so I blame them uh, for lending me the third book in a series without any context. But the first chapter or two, every time they talk about any proper nouns or anything, they're like Harry Potter, who is a wizard. Well, but that, but that's it. That's exactly are it. You, I didn't sure know. We should be talking about I didn't Harry know. Potter and proper nouns. Is that no? Something? Okay, listen. That's why I got through like a good sizable chunk of that book without realizing it was the third in a series because J.K. Rowling has this like terrible habit of just re-describing shit every single book 
So it sounded like it was like the first one with a few odd things where she was referring to something that like happened before, but like authors do that all the time to like world build. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's a thing she'll explain later. And I didn't get around to like, I don't know, halfway or three quarters of the way through the book. And I was like, man, I feel like I missed something. Like your personal experience with Final Fantasy V. Yep. Uh, yeah, because I, I I played this for the four job fiesta as my first playthrough of ff5 and i'm pretty sure that that has ruined this game for me forever which, which i want to say again i'm pretty sure i specifically told you not to do and while yeah, i feel also did. simultaneously uh coercing me into playing it no, no no what i wanted you to do was play through it once before the fiesta and then play it for the fiesta uh-huh. yeah i remember mm-hmm. that being very well articulated I, I, I recall none of this. I was asking for considerably more nonsense from you. Yeah, that I mean, to be fair, that's probably why it didn't happen. Oh, I know. I, was like, I know. This guy's asking me to play this game twice. Ain't nobody got time for that. Twice when a short run of the game is 35 hours. Y- yeah, exactly. Short run. But yeah, so my personal experience was I got a kind of shitty role on the jobs that I got. And um, I tried to do the best I could with it. And then I ended up trying to do a cheese strat, which actually went against the rules of the Fiesta in the first place, which kind of invalidated my run anyway. So it was kind of pointless at that point. But then I was so frustrated with the whole thing that I reached a boss that was immune to my bullshit tactic and I just fucking gave up. So FF5, 10 out of 10. Stop. Any case. (laughs) I notice I say that a lot. In any case, I'm going to have to stop saying that. So in any case... My personal yeah, uh-huh. experience with this is probably the most organic now hearing your two stories. So with that fan translation was released in 1998, I was actually on it. I played the game in 1998 or at least 1999 because I guess it came out in late 1998. So one of my friends in junior high, uh, I went over to his house and I'm not sure if I said this on a podcast before I may have, but if I haven't bear with me here. I would go over to his house like every Friday and we'd hang out and we'd play video games. And one Friday I went over there and he was like, hey, we're playing Final Fantasy 4 on, on the PC. And I'm like, bullshit. You can't play Final Fantasy 4 on the PC. And that's when I discovered the wonderful that's world illegal. of emulators. And this is the late 90s, people. <laughs> so these these things have been uh, around longer than uh, one of our patrons. If, I, if I'm getting... No, almost. <laughs> almost around longer. So... A lot of these, a lot of these files were were bigger than 1.4 megabytes, and you might be asking us, some of you, I'm, I'm sure most of you know, but some of you may have forgot, what the fuck is the big deal about 1.4 megabytes? Uh, 1.44. I'm sorry, 1.44. So, what is the big deal with 1.44 megabytes? When you 3D print the save icon and you try and save files on it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. But, but the you, thing is, kids, you, you know that save icon? That's that's what that is. Exactly. Now, 1.44 megabytes was the size of a floppy disk. That's how big they were. And I'm not talking about the big floppy floppy disk. I'm talking about like the little compact, what are the like three, whatever, uh, 1.4 megabyte floppy disks. And Final Fantasy V was bigger than that. And we couldn't figure out how to get the zip file to separate the zip file onto multiple floppy disks. And I didn't know the site they were getting these ROMs from. I don't know why I just didn't ask. I don't recall. This is fucking 23 years ago, for Christ's sake. But... 
yeah, we were having problems on getting all these files onto floppy disks. And then there's other games you're trying to get on, like Final Fantasy VI. And I think that was on multiple floppies, but it wouldn't copy over to my computer correctly. So I ended up taking my parents' zip drive and plugging it into their computer and just dumping a bunch of ROMs onto the zip drive, which was a massive 100 <laughs> megabytes. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, we're talking about, like, how, like, oh, you kids don't remember the floppy disks. And then you bust out a motherfucking zip drive. <laughs> so if you don't know what a fucking zip drive were, was, they're these, they're, they're, they're bigger floppy disks that were, of course, larger memory, had larger memory on it. So there's 100, megabit, 100 megabytes that you could store information on. So they're like a hundred times bigger than your stupid fucking floppy disks. You could store so many JPEGs. Exactly. So you take, take all these ROMs, all these super Nintendo ROMs. So you could get like 50 games and put them on the zip drive, uh, 50 RPGs, and then put them on the computer. And that's how I play final fantasy five. I played it on my gateway 2000. I played the official fans, fan translation, I guess not official, unofficial fan translation. That's how I played it. And I, I never really made it too far. I think I made it after the third or fourth crystal. Just because always I've always had this disconnect about playing with emulators. But as I went on and played more games, I eventually never still beat it, even though I still got like the PlayStation version. But then I did eventually sit down and beat the game once I got the Game Boy Advance version when it came out in 2006. I bought that on day one. I still have the box. I didn't have to buy it used with the box. Fortunately, I got it brand new. And that's when I beat the game initially. So when Lyle said, hey, there's this four job fiesta, I was all about it because every single time I played this damn game, I love it more and more. And I know that it was going to drive Shane crazy, or at least I think he would love it because he keeps talking about how he loves Final Fantasy tactics. And I keep on getting the wrong Final Fantasy tactics so that there's also that. <laughs> But that's my personal experience. Uh-huh. I've been I've been there since day one North America, baby. Day one ish. I've been there. Wow. I got the weeb flex going on here. OK. Goddamn right. <laughs> I mean, are you surprised? I, I am not. I even <laughs> imported Final Fantasy five on the PlayStation when it came out in the Final Fantasy collection. And like they had this blue uh, like water kind of cover and it had Final Fantasy 4, 5, and 6 all in it. And I also, when I went to Japan in either 99 or 2001, I ended up getting Final Fantasy 5 complete in box for my Super Nintendo. And I had to remove pegs in, in my Super Nintendo. I took some pliers and removed these little tabs that are inside there. That That's their region lock, essentially, for the Super <laughs> Nintendo. So I could play Final <laughs> Fantasy 5, even though I couldn't read a goddamn thing other than the katakana and play it that way. So there's my weed flex, everybody. Wow. And I'm over here laughing hysterically that region lock is a pair of physical pegs. Mm-hmm. That's all it is in the Super Nintendo. It's even, yeah, it's the same thing with the N64. All you got it, I know this is kind of going on a tangent here, but Shane did it, so fuck it. And uh, for the N64, all you got to do is, uh, if you take a uh, Japanese game, all you got to do is you have to unscrew the N64 cartridge and take the back of that cartridge and put it on your Japanese game, and you can put it in your N64 and play it. You're a weeb, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going. To, I'm not going to go into how to to bypass region locking. We can do that on some other episode. I know I've already gone on too much to it, but there's so many systems that you can do it for. I'm done with that. So we will move on. See, I have a lot of stories about you do this this kind of thing and how to play 
import games like Final Fantasy V and playing them in port. I had a lot of good times with all these stories. However, Final Fantasy V also has a story, and it's better than the ones I've been telling. It's also a very weak story, but that goes to my storytelling. So moving on to that, Shane, can you tell us what you thought of the story in this game? Uh, sure. I mean, so as far as the plot is concerned, I, there wasn't really much that stood out to me. Frankly, I, 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 I was a fan of the, the inclusion of pirates. I think Ferris and the whole pirate thing was neat. Um, I think some of the characters and, and I think that's actually what drives it most for me is, is the, the characters really. Cause the over, I mean, let's be real. I, I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I think that we're all mostly in agreement that the overarching plot of the story is like pretty meh at best. Spoiler plate. Yeah. It, it's, it's some real standard fantasy shit. It's some pretty hot nonsense. Yes. Yeah. It's like there's a, a bunch of MacGuffin crystals that you got to go do a thing with to save the world from the evil. And also there's a void that exists between worlds. And there's a bad man who is who also is a, tree. a tree. And He's also a tree. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's whatever. Like, it's some real standard fantasy schlock whatever it's fine um my standout for me outside of some of the characters being pretty likable and, and relatable are, are is honestly the writing i actually think the dialogue in this game is fantastic hold on which version uh i believe i was playing the gba version okay you have to specify that because the final fantasy 5 playstation version is hot trash and the dialogue there is not good even ironically Okay, fair. That's fair enough. But no, I, I was playing the the GBA version, and okay. so s some some examples I wanted to point out. There's actually a, quite a few, but some of them that I I you know came to mind was, of course, Chris used it in our intro, Gilgamesh's thing about the expository banter and fighting like men and ladies and ladies who dress like men. That's a great one. Gilgamesh is actually a, a source of really fantastic one-liners anyway. Gilgamesh really, really, truly is is one of the gems of this game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I just, I liked Guido and his thing about like uh, sitting around for seven centuries munching on pizza, which was uh, a neat TMNT. TMNT sort of reference. I, I also felt very called out by that because I totally would sit around for seven centuries munching on pizza. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound like a bad time, honestly. I mean, especially compared to the bullshit you end up putting up with, right? Yeah, it's totally radical, dude. <laughs> Uh, and then Ferris always has some good ones. Like actually the exclamations were very similar to shit that you would hear from like, uh, uh, anchor man, <laughs> like by the briny beard of Neptune, you killed a man. I, I think, uh, <laughs> I think the dialogue was actually the standout thing for me. I don't know. What, what about you, Lyle? What, what are your thoughts on the, on the plot and writing here? Uh, the plot is not why I play this game. It's certainly not why I play. I play this game every year. Well, you don't want to re-experience this fantastic story. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Okay. That's, no. If you want plot in a Final Fantasy game, I would suggest either four or six or seven or mm. I, two. I, I haven't played two yet, so I can't say that. But <laughs> basically every other Final Fantasy game that I have played other than one has more plot than this. <laughs> That's, it's there, but it's not good. 
it's it's not bad. I don't dislike it, but it it feels like it's just the necessary amount of plot to get you to step through the thing they really wanted to show off, which is the job system. Mm-hmm. Like this is a mechanics game with enough story to get you to keep playing. There's a plot, but it's absurd. Okay, so so I'm going to take uh, some small issues with with that, and that's because is the plot good for a Final Fantasy game? Not really. It's it's definitely one of the weaker plots in a Final Fantasy game. That being said, compare it to its contemporaries in the early 90s, especially on like the Super Famicom or uh, the Sega Genesis or whatever the case might be. And it's it kind of matches the majority of its contemporaries. It's kind of right where it needs to be. It has decent character development. Each of the characters has has their own arc, their own development, even if they are cheeseball to the extreme, like the fact that Ferris and and Lena are sisters and oh, they're just so happen to be sisters. And oh, they all happen to be related to the, you know, magical, mythical warriors of yore. And yeah, it's all kind of just general bullshit that you can see coming a mile away and doesn't shock anybody. That being said, yes, the characters are endearing. And I'll give the game that you care about these characters and that makes, okay, of course, spoilers here. And as we said before in the past, you're going to get spoilers on this. When Galoof dies, that's a big moment. Mm. Everyone always points to, oh my God, I can't believe Aerith died. Like no one ever, like an RPG has never done that, which, okay, then you haven't played a fucking RPG, but of course, knowing the (laughs) Final Fantasy VII phenomena, that's probably true for a lot of them. But yes, Galoof died. And he died heroically, and Galoof is a badass. And, yeah, that's a big moment in the game. And that that's something that shouldn't really be forgotten, that they still did take risks. They still did things with exposition and narrative that a lot of other RPGs weren't fully doing yet. It's not to saying no RPGs were doing it, because Fantasy Star did it with Ney and Fantasy Star 2. They did it with Alyss and Fantasy Star 4. And Lufia 2... Like you're playing as the characters that died at the beginning of Lufio one. So it's not like they they had these weak narratives in all these RPGs at the time. But you did have something in Final Fantasy five that was definitely a step up from the NES era of video games. So I wouldn't just completely shit all over it. But yes, it is definitely the weakest plot of the SNES Final Fantasies for sure. But it's also lighthearted and fun. And it's hard to fault a game when it's doing that, especially when its strongest point, the gameplay. Ooh. I want to pause before we go there and point out, in Final Fantasy IV, they fly an airship to the moon, and it's less nonsense than this game. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, by the way, okay, you're right. Before we move on to the gameplay, I have to say, until, like, the very, like, latter third of the game, and actually, you could actually divide this up into thirds. I think that's very appropriate. Is Gilgamesh really a bad guy? I don't think Gilgamesh is ever a bad guy. Gil- Gilgamesh did nothing wrong. Uh, at the end, you can tell he was trying to use the, the the dark void to essentially rule over everybody and kill people. He didn't like like Kafka in that sense from Final Fantasy VI. But up until that point, he's like, yeah, I'm just going to combine the plant worlds together and make the world what it originally was. And it's like, oh, that's that's not bad. No, no, you're crossing characters, I think. What do you mean? But Gil. I'm sorry, not Gilgamesh. I'm sorry, X-Death. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, no, I'm, Gilgamesh yeah. was never a villain. He just wanted a good fight. Yeah, he just, he was just someone who, he was an honorable fighter. He just wanted a good fight. X-Death, the other, on the other hand, I can see where you're saying. Yeah, like, it, until the latter third of the game, he's a character you can almost empathize with. 
And it's like, yeah, why are they trying to stop somebody who's trying to make the world whole again? Like, why did they make the world separate to begin with? This is this is kind of silly. Uh, to create the void between worlds. So they could shove all the bad things in the void. That's uh, right. It's you know, just, they, just, they dug a hole just, in the dumb. world and they're shoving... Just go, get, just go Patrick on it and just say, take all the bad things from here and put them all over here. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what they did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we totally fucked up your segue into gameplay. You, you did have so a good segue. About and gameplay. Did. You did have a good segue and I apologize for shitting on it. <laughs> it did bring up an important point about Gilgamesh, though, which, yeah, he wasn't that bad. But yes, the important part of this game is the gameplay, which is much better than the writing. So, Shane, start us off. Mm. Oh, good. You want me to start off? All right. Well, you know what? You'll start on a low note and then it'll get better from there. How about that? Yeah, that's why I'm starting with you. As with pretty much everything about this game, I... I fully recognize that I have ruined it for myself by playing with the Fiesta rules for my first time through being restricted to only a very small subset of the jobs in this game for my characters made everything painful. Just so, so painful. I also want to point out that yeah. not only were you doing it with the Fiesta job, I rem I don't remember what it was, but I remember you got a shitty draw too. Very shitty. Oh yeah. Yeah, I got a total shit draw, and then I actually donated a little more money to re-roll one of them, which is fine. Like, I'm, I'm all for donating to the good cause, but I re-rolled into something that wasn't even that great anyway. So, basically, I ended up with a shitty combo. You got a samurai. You lie. Was that the re-roll? Yes. I, I thought I had that already. Yeah, sam samurai, samurai. Is, samurai is pay to win. Okay, well, that's quite literally, yes. And Jobs as a service. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's that's what I ended up kind of abusing was the like the money throwing tactic that samurai have because I also kind of took advantage of I wouldn't really say an exploit, I guess, but let's say a tactic to gain a shitload of money. And then that just funded my one percent approach to. <laughs> to the rest of the game <laughs> until I got to a boss fight that was immune to like physical damage and just anything that I could do. So, cause I was cheesing it by having all four of my characters be samurai and just throw money at my problems. And that worked <laughs> extremely well. And then you fought Bernie Sanders and throwing money at him. Yeah, pr pretty much. Yeah. And then the Bernie boss showed up and he was like, not in my house. And then I was like, fuck. And I couldn't do anything. And um, and that's about the time where I quit. Because I was like, I'm, I'm not fucking with this game anymore. Like, I thought I had found a cheese strat that was going to at least get me through the rest of the game so I could just finish it. And even that didn't work. So, But for, for all of that being said, I can see the the depth and the complexity of the job system here and, and that's part of the reason that they were initially trying to release it as final fantasy extreme in north america anyway was because their whole pitch for it was this is a game for rpg players because there is so much more depth and complexity to the mechanics of it that they were really trying to sort of position it in that way for audiences outside of japan of like, this is not Babby's first RPG. This is for someone who really wants to get into the weeds. And I can definitely see why that is the case. Um, I, I would I would argue that I feel like 
the job system, while incredibly flexible, is not something that is particularly like user friendly from a first time playthrough. There's a good chance that you're going to end up not knowing how to really make the best use of the system. Yeah. Um, unless you're doing a lot of trial and error, which frankly, I just don't have the patience for, but without like the aid of some kind of guide or something, which of course, if you were playing this when it first came over, then you're not going to have that. But yeah, without some kind of thing helping you along, it's, it can get rough. Like you can seriously just totally screw yourself and it's not like you'd have any idea, right? What would be coming up? Like there, I mean, my my encounter with that boss, even though it's sort of an extreme example, is still kind of a good example because that is a very real thing that can happen. And it's not like an FF5 specific problem. You know, this is something that can come up in other RPGs as well. But mm-hmm. where you think you've got a party comp that you like and is effective and then you'll just run up against an enemy that's just like, oh, that one tactic that you've been using, yeah, fuck all that, it does nothing. And then you have to completely change your strategy. And for what it's worth, I think the job system being as flexible as it is, you can kind of adapt to those things, maybe better than some other RPGs which kind of lock you into a given track, but it, it can be kind of overwhelming. That's at least from someone coming at it for the first time. I think you make a good point when you say that this game is you have to kind of go into it at some point knowing what is there in front of you. And I think there's no better job class to look at than the blue mage, which <laughs> is a a job is Lyle laughs. Of course, he knows uh, that <laughs> you like it's a job where you can pick up enemy abilities. And the good thing about the blue mage is that they can completely break the game. The bad thing is that you have to know what enemies do what abilities and what abilities can be picked up by your blue mage and what abilities need to be controlled by a beast tamer in order to cast it on your blue mage so they can learn it or what items do that. And if you don't have that information readily available to you, you're not going to be able to do those things. So, yes, there is a lot of trial and error. There is a lot of. If I play this a second time, then I'll be able to get through it because now I know what my party composition should be prior to going into a battle or at least the abilities. But that's the thing, like the replay value on this game is so incredibly high Mm -hmm. because of that fact and just because of the job system. So you can go through this game your first time, struggle, get frustrated. But because there's such an amount of flexibility with the job system, like this was the case for me for the longest time until I actually sat down and beat it with a guide. And yes, I did have to use a guide in order to beat it. But the flexibility is there that once you go through and you're like, okay, this, this system didn't work for me and you want to put it down. But then the very next second, you're like, Oh, I want to start it again and start it like with a new job class and a new job system because, and master these abilities and carry those abilities over and make my party that much more stronger and set up ideally for all these, these bosses and, and, game situations that are coming up and that's the beauty of it. And that's what I love about it is a lot of these, a lot of these jobs you look at and they're, they're very innocuous in their advantages. Like geomancer geomancer looks like shit. And you're like, I'm never going to fucking use the geomancer, but there are situations where there are abilities that you need to equip on your character that are only available to the geomancer In the original release. You couldn't dash unless you had the thief's ability or you couldn't see through walls unless you were a thief. 
unless you're and when you're a thief, like they're weak as shit, but they have abilities that are critical. Uh, I wouldn't say critical, but they provide a unique advantage to you in, in navigating through the world. So every single job has its own function that is going to be so important to the player. And, you know, this, it's all about your gameplay style. What do you value? What do you want to do? Do you want to go through destruction, you know, like this destruction mode or, uh, or and not think about things? And in that case, you do have those options. But at some point, like those options do stop and you have to think about how can I reconfigure my party to maximize the party's ability? That's actually why, as you being more of a PC gamer, I thought you would like this game a lot more just because there is the ability to customize your party to your liking. And I'm, that's why I'm actually a little shocked. But I understand going through the four job fiesta. Yeah, I mean, that's going to ruin it for you. But the gameplay here. Yeah, it's just it's mind boggling. The options you have, uh, the the amount of abilities you can do and just how you can customize your party to just be absolute badass motherfuckers and just destroy shit uh, to the point where I guess like the record is someone's beaten this game at level seven or level five, something like that. Uh, just taking advantage of the job system. The the, the potential is absolutely there. How about you, Lyle? Uh, yeah, so the thing I say about the gameplay is this is the meat of the game. This is why people play the game. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. com it's complex. It's flexible. It's so complicated and flexible that um, there's a yearly kind of event where people play this game with different jobs for charity. This is my fifth year doing it, and there are jobs I've never played in the Fiesta. I've never gotten to play a Black Mage, which breaks my heart because Black Mage for life. <laughs> and there are only are only two jobs I've had multiple times. I've had the Blue Mage more than once, and I've had the Dancer more than once, which, oh no, that's so terrible. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. It's really not. <laughs> it's absolutely um, not. And that's the kind of variance where all the replayability comes from. And there are so many broken combos. Just a couple that I've experienced just doing the four job fiesta rules. Blue Mage. Blue Mage existing is hacks. Yes. One of my favorites was Bard and Summoner. Bard with uh, Swift Song and Heroes Rhyme. I did the final boss of the game. So the final boss of the game, like a lot of JRPGs at this point, is a is a double phase boss. And the first phase was a joke. And I just spent it preparing. But then the actual final form of the final boss, which is this four headed monstrosity, each head having its own his own abilities and uh, hit points. I beat that in, I think, either two or three turns because I had used Swift Song and Heroes Rhyme to get it haste way up and attack way up. And then, you know, when you summon uh, Bahamut with multiple characters a turn and it does max damage to every head every turn. It, yeah it's over quick same kind of thing with a bard dancer because you, again dancer you can get max damage and then blue mage beastmaster which chris already hit on some which when you don't have beastmaster you have to get a little more um shall we say creative with blue mage <laughs> i had to go and find the spell in a can item that has a list of like 20 spells and you have to just keep cycling through using the item until it gets to the spell that you want. And then you can use it to confuse your enemies into using their good abilities on you so you can learn them. It's some bullshit. But when, you, when you're stuck with a party with no healer, it's some bullshit you're willing to do. <laughs> yeah, Blue Mage is totally broken. I love it. Blue Mage is hacks in the best way. Yes. 
yeah, the gameplay here is, is definitely the shining star, but shining stars are typically beautiful, but RPGs typically aren't. So what do you guys think about the graphics here? You know, I dare say that you're, you're actually getting pretty good at these segues. I don't know. <laughs> I, I honestly don't have a lot to say here. The graphics are kind of what you'd expect. I don't think it was that much different from its predecessor, really. Like, you you, you got what you came for. It's some overhead sprites. I mean, there there's a couple of things I will note that I was kind of a fan of. I really did like the use of Mode 7 in this for, like, the map sequences. That was cool. Like, mm-hmm. the sort of pseudo cutscenes that you get and zooming around the world like that's neat and i found that so much more usable than the way that the airship flies in ff i think it was six i had so much trouble with trying to figure out where i was going i, I think the airship yeah. in five is much more functional for for navigating yeah i can agree with that i can see that yeah yeah so so yeah I, again it's another good use of mode seven there were some instances where it was used just for the sake of using it and maybe not the best way but this was definitely a good implementation of it uh, and then the other thing i wanted to note is i just am a huge fan of like giant incredibly detailed sprites and this game definitely has that like the x death sprite is just fucking awesome now have you have you seen the neo x death sprite I, I have, yes. It's, it's ridiculous <laughs> nice. in the best way. Yeah, absolutely. The, and that's that's the thing is like getting further and further into kind of the, the 2D uh, 16-bit era, you really started seeing more and more of these intricate, you know, uh, boss sprites especially. And I just, I really love those. Like, don't get me wrong. Like there is, uh, there's so much artistry that goes into, you know, HD 3d games these days and they look amazing but there's just something about the level of like meticulous detail that goes into creating just this ginormous sprite based boss that i don't know it's 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 a whole it just it hits different is what i'm trying to say and this game definitely has that so as far as graphics go like i think those are the two things that really really stand out for me personally I'll, I'll take it next, and I'll just say, uh, looking at Final Fantasy IV and, and going from four to five, there's not really that much of a difference. There's there's marginal increases in uh, you know in visual fidelity. It looks a little bit better than Final Fantasy IV does. They 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 made some of the sprite work look better. Some of the backgrounds look a little bit better, but it's it's not that much different really in terms of how it looks. And I find that a little bit disappointing in a way, especially when you compare Final Fantasy V to, say, Final Fantasy VI. Final Fantasy VI looks way better in terms of graphics than Final Fantasy V. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy V is is definitely a it's it's that middle step in between four and six, I guess, as it should be. But just someone who didn't play it didn't play Final Fantasy V until well after I played. Final Fantasy VI, it, it felt a little basic, and I understand it came out in late 1992, but it's really hard to com- compartmentalize that when comparing it to the games I'd already played. And it's not like RPGs really had great graphics, as I said earlier. Like RPGs were not really known for great graphics, but by the time I had played Final Fantasy V, a Super Nintendo game, I had played like the aforementioned Final Fantasy VI, which looked fantastic. I had played Chrono Trigger, which looked fantastic. Super Mario RPG, which looked fantastic. So 
Final Fantasy V was was very underwhelming, even though maybe at the time it came out, it was it was decent looking. And I don't think Square, I mean, Square's always as much as, you know, diehard asshole fans like me talk about Final Fantasy VII and said, oh, yeah, now now Square is a bunch of graphics whores, as that we said back in the day. Uh, Square has always been trying to push the push the envelope in terms of what they can deliver, but I just don't feel like they did that with five. Mm-hmm. That being said, looking back at it, look, it's it's a classic RPG. It's 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 fine. It's tolerable. You're it's that's not what you're there for anyway. So, yeah, it works. It's functional. It does what it needs to do. Just don't play the mobile version, right, Lyle? So I'm really torn about that because for a lot of the gameplay reasons, I do prefer the mobile version. But when it comes to the graphics, nothing beats the GBA version for me. Agreed. From from my perspective, with the GBA releases of 4, 5, and 6, they really smoothed out the differences. And I've talked to Chris about this back and forth some as I've been playing through them. And the the differences just aren't as noticeable. Because I played 6 right after playing 5, and I'm like, this isn't that much different playing it on the Game Boy Advanced. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't have a ton of experience with the original release sprite work, but I am absolutely a sucker for good, like the 16-bit era sprite work or that a lot of the modern games that kind of echo that same feeling. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know what they're thinking with some of these <clears throat> will loosely refer to as remasters of, of some of these games. Like this happened with this and um, was it, wasn't it like uh, secret secret of mana, right? That was the other one where they like gave it that weird overhaul where it looked like a really bad, like RPG maker game. It looked yeah, like it looked terrible chibi bullshit or something. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. I don't understand that. Like why the hell would you replace the, the sprite work? Like the, it's, it looks so terrible by comparison. I don't know. Maybe that's the old man in me talking. I don't know. Well, if you're an old man, so am I, because I agree with you. I, I just I really <laughs> like the the sprite work look and the while the playability of the mobile releases is I mean, it's absolutely got the best quality of life stuff going for it. It's just not as pretty. Yeah, it looks like butt. You, <laughs> it's an eloquent way to put it. Yes, that's what we're here for. Put things eloquently. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yes. You know that you're right. Eloquent, eloquent, maybe is I may need to put things more eloquently so people can hear what I'm saying in a much more reasonable manner, just like mm. music sound music to your ears. So that being said, let that me talk a little about bit the of music. a stretch, but I'll, I, I'll take I, it. I, it was a bit of a reach. I fumbled that one. It was bad, but I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get better at these segues because Shane gives me shit about it all the time. Fine, I'm just going to do a hard segue. Everyone, music and sound. I'll go first. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Fuck it. We're doing it. Live. Okay. Live. Not really. No, not this time. So I, I think the music here is good. I'm going to repeat a lot of the kind of things that I said about the story here. Is it one of the better Final Fantasy soundtracks? In my opinion, no, it's not one of the better ones. It's, I think it's actually one of the weaker soundtracks. That being said, it's a fucking Final Fantasy soundtrack. And it's Uematsu being Uematsu. So this is, it's still a great soundtrack. It's arguably, you know, at the top of the SNES list. That being said, it's not as good as 4.6, I don't think, in terms of composition or in sound quality. And that, yeah, there's still a lot of good sound songs here. You have 
the decisive battle, which is the final battle with Gilgamesh, which sounds really good. You have not Gilgamesh. God damn it. Uh, X-Death. I keep saying Gilgamesh instead of X-Death. Fuck me running. <laughs> uh, you also have Dear Friends, which is more of a slow, slow song. The slow songs in this game, I think, are very well done and very well performed. And then you do have going. Now I actually am talking about Gilgamesh. You have Battle on the Big Bridge, which is Gilgamesh's epic theme. It's uh, really, really good. And if anyone takes anything away from this game, it's typically that song. And it actually gives me a memory uh, growing up. I bought the soundtrack to this game. I had it on CD and I, was, I would play it. And uh, we had a, a house sitter who came in while I was listening to it. I was playing Battle on the Big Bridge and she came in. She's like, is that some fucking Hawaii Five-O shit? I didn't had no fucking idea what the fuck Hawaii Five-O was. <laughs> But it, it apparently okay, it's, it sounds like Hawaii Five O's intro song. Um, someone check me on this. I don't know. I haven't followed up on it. Maybe it does. But yes, the soundtrack is good. <laughs> Editor, please put in Hawaii Five O <laughs> right there. And content id claimed yes and we're not getting monetized <laughs> because we do that and <laughs> because everything gets monetized anyway <laughs> wait you guys are getting monetized <laughs> no however the the battle sounds i i don't care much for especially like the charge up and like the monk charge up and stuff like that spells spells sound like spells they're, they're inoffensive but in, in fact most final fantasy games i don't really care much for the battle sounds if i'm being honest but the music yes the music is on point yeah, I'll uh, I'll go next. We'll we'll uh, Lyle close it out on this uh, particular topic. But I, I honestly don't really have a whole lot to add to that. I'm pretty much completely in agreement. I think it is it is a solid soundtrack. I think the solid sound design. There's really nothing that's incredibly offensive. There's nothing that stands out to me as being like, oh man, I never want to hear that song again. But on the same token, there's not really a whole lot that's like, oh man, I want to hear that song again, other than the ones that Chris kind of already pointed out. So it and then it's not really a knock against it. It isn't because it's it's there to do a job, which is to accompany the gameplay, and it does that very well. It's not intrusive. It doesn't feel inappropriate for the things that are going on at the particular moment. So it's very competent. It's very well done. It's just not something that. In, at least for me, not something that I'd be like jamming out to on a regular basis, like uh, the Shovel Knight soundtrack, for example. I always go back to that one because it's just so fucking good. But, but yeah, it's 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 good. It's good. Smile. I, I, I wish I had something like really amazing or insightful to say, but mostly just echoing what you guys have said. It's there. It does its job. It's I mean, it's not the best Final Fantasy soundtrack, but it is a Final Fantasy soundtrack. I may have a problem because as I start playing a Final Fantasy game, my first step is to go to iTunes and buy it, buy the album. <laughs> and so I had it on today just in preparation for talking tonight. And just goddamn Battle for the Big Bridge is just so good. It's just so good. It is such a good song. You know, in, a, in an album full of 
mostly okay tracks. Like everything else just kind of plays in the background. And then that comes song comes on. I'm like, oh yeah, this is my jam. <laughs> it's go time. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess uh, with that being covered, um, Chris, you had a couple of extra notes here on some miscellany that we wanted to cover. So uh, anything you want to touch on here before we start to wrap things up? Yeah, sure. So here's here's some, I guess, fun facts for... Uh, for fun! They are f- they, here's just facts. some miscellaneous shit. Okay, everybody? Here's some miscellaneous facts, bullshit. And they might be fun. Yes, yeah. some learning. For lack of a better term, here's some fun facts. Uh, so prior to the release of Final Fantasy IX, so I understand this is fucking 20 years ago. I don't know if, if anyone's asked him since, but Hironobu Sakaguchi went on record to say that Final Fantasy V is his personal favorite Final Fantasy. So if that's coming from the creator of the series, that's a pretty big fucking deal to say your favorite creation is this game. That's one little tidbit there. Tetsuya Nomura, uh, who is famous for being punctual and getting games out in a timely manner. Yeah, he was considering putting in two characters into the game, which one was a ninja with a dog and a gambler that would use cards and dice as a weapon. Wait a minute. Aren't those Final Fantasy VI characters? Yes, they are. They eventually became Shadow with Interceptor and Setzer, which are the two characters in Final Fantasy VI that Tetsuya Nomura designed. The gambler idea was actually supposed to be Ferris, but eventually Ferris became a pirate. Yar. Speaking of Ferris, a lot of people might be confused because Ferris in the plot is the uh, princess of Tycoon. She's King Tycoon's daughter, along with Lena. They're both princesses of the kingdom of Tycoon. Now, they're trying to understand how she got the name Ferris because her birth name is Sarisa. And people are like, why in the hell is her name Ferris then? That doesn't make any sense. So in Japanese, if you take Sarisa and you add a lisp to it, it sounds like Ferris. So that's that's how she got the name Ferris. So Gilgamesh is a Mesopotamian uh, legend. It's an epic, the Epic of Gilgamesh. It's bit, Yeah, he is supposed to be this warrior dude that teams along with his bro Enkidu and they go kill gods and shit and they're immortal, right? Except... The Gilgamesh in this game is nothing like the Gilgamesh of Mesopotamian lore. He's actually based off a Japanese folk hero, Saito Musashibo Benke, is said to have carried seven different weapons at all times. And there are a lot of tales about him fighting on the Gojo Bridge, which is a bridge in Kyoto uh, that revolve around him. So you can kind of see the connection, which is why battle on the big bridge and all the extraneous media you have with Gilgamesh in the Final Fantasy series all involved bridges is because of that Japanese folk hero. And this game is the first Final Fantasy to have a canonical sequel, and that is a four-episode OVA, or original video anime, called Final Fantasy The Legend of the Crystals. And if you watch it on YouTube, you can see it is quite terrible. So I can understand why they didn't try to make a sequel, a canonical sequel to a Final Fantasy game until Final Fantasy X. Uh, yeah, and that, yeah, X2 came out before Advent Children, I'm pretty sure. So there's that. And that's really all I got for miscellaneous bullshit. Cool. Uh, Lyle, I, I see you have a couple of shorthand notes here. Is there anything you wanted to touch on? Uh, it looks like uh, Chris already brought up the Gilgamesh and Enkidu. 
which I thought it was extra cool that they got Enkidu in there as well, which is uh, in the Epic of Gilgamesh. He's a like a man born mostly as a wild animal who becomes friends with Gilgamesh and they go around kicking ass together. And, you know, you were talking about sequels. And while it's not officially a sequel, I did want to bring up a game. Uh, it's another one of the games uh, that I've played that is very, very similar to this. It's it really feels like a more modern love letter to this game. And that's Bravely Default. I don't know about Bravely Second. I assume it's mostly the same and Bravely Default too. I know Bravely Default was released on the 3DS mm -hmm. and it it really does play like a love letter to Final Fantasy V. Uh, so much so that in Final Fantasy V, bullshit optimization is possible. You basically is required for both Bravely Default. Like you can't progress if you are not doing some ridiculous nonsense. By the way, <laughs> both are Square Enix games. Oh, yeah. So there is that bravely default was going to be a released as a final fantasy game and then i don't remember why it was not i mean it you've got crystals warriors of light an airship i mean it's it is final fantasy in all but name it's final fantasy all, all the pieces are there interesting all right so um speaking about things that are a, a little bit closer to to modern day as we are want to do we need to talk about whether or not we feel this game holds up in in today's day and age. And so, um, Chris, yes. why, why don't you start us off? What do you think? Does this thing hold up now? Absolutely. This is one of the few games that I can go back to and play just for the replay value alone. It's a game that gets better every time I play it. And that that's really something that makes it unique. There's not many games I can say that about. As I said, when I started playing it, I actually liked it less than I like it now. In fact, I liked it a lot less than I like it now, and I, I still liked it back then. Also, with that in mind, this probably should not be your first Final Fantasy game. Mm -hmm. It is kind of complicated, and it has a lot of mechanics that if you're not really inundated in deep into RPGs, or you haven't played Final Fantasy Tactics, or you don't understand the job system, and... You know, you're not looking for a challenge. This is a game that you need to prep yourself for before getting into. It's a good game. It's a really good game. And it does hold up 100%. And you should play it. But if you've never played a Final Fantasy game before, this is not the one to start with. Unless, like, you just are going to be like Lyle and you're just going to tinker with the job system ad nauseum until you really grow to love it. But yes, it does hold up. Go and play it enjoy it again not my favorite final fantasy i don't think it's the best final fantasy and i don't think it's the first final fantasy you, sh you should play but you should play it all right well i'll go ahead and go second so we can kind of like sandwich mine in between you and lyle here um so again my experience is not typical at all i against better advice and judgments <laughs> um played this in a, in a very constrained manner for my first time through. And I think it might have actually just ruined the entire game for me forever. I, I say that, but maybe someday I'll have some time to go back and, and give it a fair shake by just playing it, you know, the way that it was kind of meant to be played. So I, I wouldn't take my experience as gospel as far as whether the game holds up or not. I do 
think it definitely does uh, mechanically, even graphically, and and music. Everything still stands on its own. And that's one of the nice things about sprite-based games anyway, is that that art style really does, generally speaking, hold up far, far better than a lot of uh, you know, earlier polygonal titles, as we've mentioned uh-huh. uh, several times on the show before. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I actually think it does. And and I'll go ahead and echo Chris's sentiments as well, that I would not tell someone to play this as their first Final Fantasy because of, because of how it was presented, how it was positioned. That's how I mentioned earlier that bringing it, you know, stateside and, and to the rest of the world outside of Japan they wanted to at least initially make it very clear that this game was kind of intended for more, you know, veteran players in the RPG space because of the depth and complexity of the job system that it was introducing. And so unless you are going into it knowing that that is what you are going to tackle, I I would probably suggest playing something else. Me personally, I, if I was given the choice right now, I'd rather go and replay four again than playing five. Because four is the best one. Yeah, I mean, I'm just being honest there, but but does five hold up today? Yeah, absolutely, and especially with all of the places that it's been ported to. If you're not a stickler for the graphics, I tend to agree with Lyle that a lot of the quality of life improvements do make the mobile slash Steam version of it pretty attractive for those reasons. Um, but if you're going to get really turned off by the like weirdly clean shiny rounded off chibi graphics that they tried to put in there then probably go with the gba but i I would i would try to jump into a different ff game before you uh before you try to play this one so does it hold up absolutely kind of as shane was saying depending on who you are why you're doing it i recommend different versions if you're an established final fantasy fan or a retro enthusiast which if you're listening to this i'm assuming you're one of those definitely the snes or gba version is a really good choice for folks who are newer to either final fantasy or retro games i'm going to echo blizzard here and say y'all have phones right (laughs) (laughs) and suggest that you play the mobile port Um, i will also acknowledge that square enix does not know how to price mobile games and yet we keep buying them so maybe they do (laughs) yeah yeah. You want to play, pay fucking $18 for this RPG on your phone? Uh, I do not. No. And then I do anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, you're an enabler, Lyle. <laughs> uh, no, I usually wait until they're, they're half price. So I'm only paying $9 for an RPG on my phone. Hooray. Oh, great. Okay. I mean, for what it's worth though, like in the sake of fairness, I, I would, I would rather pay $9 up front for a full game on my phone than download a free-to-play one and then get nickeled and dimed for like five years. Uh, So really, truly, if you're newer to retro games, RPGs, pick up the mobile port, maybe when it's on sale. It's got a lot of quality of life improvements that make it a much more enjoyable experience to play, but the artwork is not as good. It's newer, it's shinier, it's not better. With with that being said, I, I just need to add a brief caveat. Do not play the PlayStation version of this game. Do not play it. It's slower. The translation is shittier. And even if you get some sort of patch, like I just said, it's slower. Don't play the PlayStation. Play the Super Nintendo version, the Game Boy Advance version, or I'm going to hate myself for saying this, but like Lyle said, the mobile version. Do not play the PlayStation version. It sucks. Uh, For me, at least during the Fiesta every year, I take that as an opportunity to try new versions of it. 
I'm probably just going to keep playing the mobile version because it's got things like auto battle. So when you're just trying to grind up levels, it's really easy to just be like, okay, set my battle, go, and then walk away from it. That is that is hard to argue with, yeah. It, it really is. All right. Well, uh, on that note, I think that brings our discussion of FF5 to a close. So, uh, Lyle, thank you once again for coming onto the show and being a, you, a special guest host. I was thrilled to be here as always. And uh, I suppose we can probably just let the cat out of the bag on this one anyway, but because we are doing Final Fantasy Month, we will be having Lyle on again for our next uh, episode coming up. So uh, looking forward to that as well. And so, uh, Lyle, you you do things that are on the internet. Where can the people find the things that you do? So uh, unlike usual, I actually have two things I want to plug this time. Whoa. First, I'm going to plug uh, my podcast, my own podcast. Hi. Hello. I also have a podcast because I'm a person on the Internet. <laughs> I, I'm a middle aged white man. <laughs> I'm a middle aged white man with an Internet connection to a microphone. Listen to what I have to say. <laughs> Mine. Yeah, it's called you random you random dash podcast dot info. Yes, I know the URLs horrible. There wasn't a better one when I was buying them. So good. But it's me and two of my good friends get together once a month and just ramble and bullshit for several hours until we get tired and fall asleep. <laughs> I've had people ask me what it's about, and I look at them blankly and say, what do you mean? <laughs> it's about whatever the hell we want to talk about. So it's the perfect ASMR podcast. You can put it on and just fall, fall asleep. If, if what you enjoy is the part of a po- podcast where the hosts just banter with each other and talk about random stuff, I have good news for you. That's the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> and something more uh more relevant to the topic so a year ago i picked up a game boy advanced i got the um the sp version the clamshell because when i was a kid i thought they looked mm. badass and i always wanted one and i had never had one and hi i'm a middle-aged adult who makes good money now i wanted one so i fucking bought it <laughs> fair and i bought final fantasies four five and six with it and i played them all and i'm like you know what i'm really enjoying watching this series evolve how far can I take that? And so I started a project. Uh, it's called My Final Fantasy Experience. That is ffe.x1101.net. I'm going through all of them or almost all of them with, with some asterisks. Um, I have been told to probably skip three because there's nothing there that I haven't seen better versions of and it's maybe not great. But I was also told to skip one and didn't do that. So who knows whether I'll follow those directions. <laughs> so I have currently played Final Fantasy one. Final Fantasies 4, 5, 6. I'm currently playing 7, and I'm also currently playing on and off uh, 14. That's a generous way to say on and off. Okay, I'm not playing very much right now, but I've played through the main story <laughs> and one of the expansions. I'm in the next expansion. I, I'm enjoying 14, just in chunks. So if you want to know what I think about a bunch of other Final Fantasy games, come check this out. And, you know, if I get through this list and I want to play some of the spinoffs, I might do that too good stuff there you go you can get all of those done and then you can start playing uh the the free-to-play mobile games and never never have time for anything else ever again why do you hurt me like this shane (laughs) (laughs) get into brave exvius man it's great honestly the second big driver for wanting to go through this project is i know that final fantasy 14 pulls a lot of things from a lot of final fantasy games and I generally like what they're doing, so I want to know where it came from. 
Yeah. No, that, that that's definitely it's definitely fair. You know that Captain America gif where he's like, I understood that reference. That I want that to be me, <laughs> and it currently isn't. Fair enough. Yeah. I it also just made me think about that tactics mobile game that they just released a little while ago and how sad I was that it's such a fucking money grab. But anyway, so um as far as we're concerned. If uh, if you're listening to this, then hi, you have found us. Welcome. We hope you enjoyed your stay. Um, but if you'd like to engage with us in a couple other ways, then you can certainly do that. We make that available to you. Uh, first and perhaps foremost, we would like to uh, chat with you and, and hang out. And we can do that with the public Discord that we have running. And you can join in on the fun by going over to bit.ly slash RHP chat. That's bit.ly slash RHP chat. And that'll drop you into the arcade floor where you can say hello. And, um, you know, then you can share some memes, listen to some 24 uh, seven vapor wave that we've got in the music channels uh, while you're jamming out to something there and just have a good time. So uh, we got a good little community going and we'd love to have you there. Uh, as far as supporting the show, if you would like to do that in a more concrete fashion and join the the upper echelons with our our, our good friend Lyle here, then you can head over to our Patreon, uh, which you can reach by going to the fantastic URL gorpfans.com. That's G-O-R-P-F-A-N-S dot com and select the donation tier of your choice, which will give you access to bonus audio content. We've got full extra episodes out there as well as short form content like rapid fire reviews and uh, video games were a mistake and uh, outtakes from these recording sessions. So you can get access to all that stuff by heading over that way. Uh, we also do have a merch store that's at bit.ly slash RHP merch. You can pick up a shirt or a mug or a bumper sticker to slap on your grandma's forehead I feel like my anecdote for that one just keeps getting more like intense every time. It started as a birthday gift and now you're just slapping her upside the head. So who knows where that one's going to go. But um, you can pick up some cool swag over there. And uh, Chris, you want to tell the fine people uh, where they can find us on Sunday evenings? Hey, yeah, if you head over to twitch.tv slash retro hangover, first of all, swing by there, go ahead and give us a follow and you will find that we stream around uh, nine o'clock p.m., Eastern time and we play games that we do terribly at. So swing by there and berate us and tell us how much we suck. Lyle's there almost all the time. We got Riku. We got Llama. We got Orden. We got some other people that show up. Uh, if, if you haven't shown up in a while losing this, come on and show show up at the, the uh, at the stream and we will have a good time. And yeah, we'll suck at games. I'll scream at it if I'm streaming. Shane will be his usual typical dismissive self as he gets like say, you know, this is bullshit and it's going to be a good time, guys. <laughs> We're going to have fun. Except for those few moments where I get genuinely incensed by something and then I just start <laughs> raging at it. That, that's happened a few times. Fucking birds. Show up for the rage, everybody. Fucking Twitch.tv slash retro hangover. And if you can't make those Swing by our YouTube channel to see those Twitch videos on demand afterwards. We would appreciate that. And smash that subscribe button. That's what the kids say anyway. And yeah, that's all I got. Ring that bell. Ring the bell. So, with all of that being said, until next time. Take Bart's and play with your joystick and your butts. 
Shane here with a quick message. You know, the one rule Chris and I have always gone by regarding advertisements is this. It has to be something we use and can personally vouch for. If you know me, you know I love coffee. And Bones Coffee Company has been my go-to for home brewing for quite some time now. Their small batch beans come in an impressive variety of flavors like Mint Invaders from Chocolate Space or Electric Unicorn, which I swear tastes exactly like Fruity Pebbles. And the best part? No added sugar or calories involved, just natural flavors infused right into the beans themselves. Build your own sample pack of five four ounce bags to find out which flavors speak to you, or jump in head first with full 12 ounce bags. They've even got K-Cups. Step up your homebrew game with Bones Coffee by visiting bit.ly slash RHP Bones. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash R-H-P-B-O-N-E-S.